the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's podcast, sponsored by Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale at Hillsdale.edu. I encourage you to take advantage of the many free online courses there. And, of course, to listen to the Hillsdale Dialogues, all of them at Q for Hillsdale.com, or just Google Apple, iTunes, and Hillsdale. Morning, glory, America. Bonjour. Hi, Canada. I'm Hugh Hewitt inside the ReliefFactor.com studios on the West Coast, where I'll remain for three more weeks. I'm back after a lot of travel. And uh, thank you, Generalissimo, for sitting in for me on Friday in the first couple of hours. We did have in the can Dr. Arne and I pre-taped the Hillsdale Dialogue, all things Hillsdale at Hugh for Hillsdale.com. But Dwayne stepped in and did a fine job. Uh, I was um, MIA because... On Thursday after the program, jumped in the car, drove to LAX, which is a mess because the allegedly the Olympics are coming here in 2028. And they're building, of course, what every Olympics needs, the monorail, not. But they're doing that, and that's got everything screwed up there. Landed, went to Nashville, Tennessee, and got in, threw my bags in the room, went down to the auditorium at the Gaylord at the Grand Old Opry. 4,000 people. Big audience. I'm used. To, I didn't talk to anybody at any time. You want me to come talk to you, Washington Speakers Bureau? You call, call them up, and I'll be happy to come talk to you. National religious broadcasters. Uh, I I speak evangelical. Uh, I am I am greatly uh, happy, honored to be there. We had a t- wonderful time. Thanks to Joe Miller for inviting me. There were two speakers before President Trump. I got to go first, and then went around, and and, and then Kevin Roberts of Heritage went. And I think and then we had a lot of Southern gospel because former President Trump was coming in and the timing was very tight. Their approach was on time. And I got 15 minutes. Kevin got 15 minutes. Kevin had to stretch because by the time I left and Kevin went on, the word was there that the thunderstorms had arrived and Donald Trump couldn't land his plane. And these 4000 people, much as they were very nice to me, did not come to hear me. They came to her. Donald Trump. They lined up at four o'clock in the afternoon for what was going to be a nine o'clock speech. Only it turned out seven thirty speech. Only it turned out to be a nine thirty speech. So um, I, I missed most of it. But that was through. I turned around, flew back to California on Friday morning, very early. Left Nashville at seven thirty in the morning. Landed, drove out to the desert, uh, spent a couple of days with former security people, national security team around Donald Trump, who will remain nameless, but talked politics, campaigns, national security all weekend long. I'll write a little bit about it tomorrow for foxnews.com. But while we were doing that, Donald Trump went after Nashville, where he crushed it. National religious broadcasters loved him. Nikki Haley was invited, did not come. Then he went to CPAC, crushed it. Then he campaigned all day in South Carolina. And then on Saturday night, he crushed Nikki Haley. Uh, and the, the the cuts of this are pretty good. Now, he, 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 he very, very direct, all right? And so 
Cut number one, Donald Trump in South Carolina. I'll play a lot more of this on the grand old pod today. Cut number one after the South Carolina primary. That is really something. This was a little sooner than we anticipated. It was an even bigger win. It came out at 7 p.m. in South Carolina. The moments the polls closed, all three networks called it and Fox and CNN, so five networks, called it an AP for President Trump. It was a thumping big win, 20-plus points. And I'll play some of the victory speech on the Grand Old Pod. You probably watch it yourself. You've probably seen lots of clips. Big, enormous win for Donald Trump, bigger than anyone's ever done in that in recent political history. No one has not gone on to the nomination who has won New Hampshire after winning Iowa and then winning South Carolina. Normally you have to win one or both of New Hampshire, and then you have to do well in South Carolina. We, in recent memory, haven't had anyone just win all three. And the big news is Donald Trump's going to be the nominee. Uh, Nikki Haley is going to fight on on Michigan tomorrow and through Super Tuesday, and we're finding out if she's going to go no labels or not. That's, I was watching the victory speech with uh, my Republican friends, my Trump alums on Saturday night and they had played golf and I'd ridden along. I was a caddy. I no longer touch golf clubs. And we talked all day long about this and we didn't know it was going to happen. Then get back, turn it on. And it, you know, it's four o'clock in the afternoon in on the West coast where I went to be with these guys and Donald Trump's on the stage. And I said, what? It's seven o'clock. And everybody, literally everybody had called it. So he went out and he, he said, normally we're out a little early. Yeah, it was a thumping big wit. Henlide, Financial Times, Trump pivots to race against Biden after crushing Haley in South Carolina. After South Carolina, the New York Times right, Trump's march the nomination quickens. I'm going to come back to this story because, OK, it's a, supposed to be a news story. After South Carolina, Trump's march the nomination quickens. Second paragraph, Lisa Lurer, New York Times, quote, the Republican nominating contest isn't a competition. It's a coronation. No, it's not. The Democrats are conducting a coronation. That's a pejorative term. Coronation, meaning rig. No, it's not. Uh, Donald Trump, open. Anyone can run. Anyone has run. We've had good candidates run. And Donald Trump has won. So good candidates run. Donald Trump has won. And Michigan is not over in Super Tuesday and over, but I think on Super Tuesday he'll accumulate. Actually, it's two weeks later he'll accumulate the magic number. Uh, but it's it's like being 15 games ahead with uh, 20 games to go in the uh, divisional playoff series time uh, in the Major League Baseball. You're coming down, you're, you're playing September baseball. If you're ahead in your division 15 games with 20 games to go, you're going to win your division. And Donald Trump's going to win the division, which is the Republican division. He's going to be in the in the playoffs. The only question in my mind is Nikki Haley going to go no labels um, because she said, I'm going to Michigan after her defeat. And one more headline from The Wall Street Journal. Trump tightens hold on GOP, crowding out even more popular, uh, even popular rivals. So he won a tough race. He won it fair and square, and he won it decisively to date. He's won three in a row. He's probably going to win Michigan, probably going to sweep Super Tuesday. We will see. Only question in my mind now is whether or not Nikki Haley goes no labels and goes and finds somebody like Tim Ryan. Other stories of this weekend. 
Uh, a lot about Donald Trump's trials uh, and the one that's coming up in Manhattan, the criminal trial, and the impact of the $354 million judgment on Donald Trump and Judge Crash Test Dummy N'Goran, N'Goran, Judge N'Goran, Justice N'Goran, they say, has really screwed things up for the Trump company, and I would hope the courts would give relief pretty quickly. He has to post a bond worth a half billion dollars, and that's going to be tough to do. Other news I want you to know in this first segment. Uh, the war in the north of Israel is heating up. And Gallant has said Israel will increase strikes on Hezbollah even during the Gaza truce, if a truce comes about. And you've got people in Israel fairly convinced, because I listened to a lot of podcasts over the weekend, what Netanyahu said on uh, yesterday. Total victory in Gaza are weeks away, is weeks away after the Rafah operation gets going. And mass rally in Brazil by Bolsonaro, after Lulu Lula came out and said Israel committing genocide, U.S. House Speaker slammed the Biden administration for restoring, repealing the Pompeo Doctrine, which was it is not illegal to build in the West Bank when it's going to be Israeli territory under any permanent settlement. And it's already Israeli territory, and everyone knows it's not illegal. Pompeo Doctrine, um, blown away by Joe Biden over the weekend. I'll come back and talk about that. In Ukraine, Zelensky says 31,000 troops have been killed. He also said the aid package must be passed this month without devastating impact. Zelensky also said that the counteroffensive from this year failed because the plans were leaked to Moscow. The New York Times, and I'll get into this later in the show, had a very long story on how the CIA has secretly been helping him, but not so much under Obama and not so much under Biden, but a lot under Trump. And then... Today, the First Amendment fight is going on about big tech in the states. Alliance Defending Freedom will be there. They're always there. Now, Alliance Defending Freedom, for the next few weeks, I'm going to be asking you to contribute to it. And I want you to phone in your contribution. I mean, you can go to um, qhewitt.com and hit the banner for Alliance Defending Freedom. Or you can call 855-374-4123. 855-374-4123. America's Best Legal Defense Fund. I want to explain. I normally don't do a legal fundraiser in February and March. I'm doing it because after the 10-7 massacre, ADF graciously stepped aside and said, go ahead and raise money for the people and the families slaughtered in Israel. And we did. But now I'm going to talk to you, and I'll talk to you more after the break, about Alliance Defending Freedom. You need to support these people. Because when Donald, before Donald Trump gets there, Biden's going to try a bunch of illegal stuff. ADF will be there to stop them. And then when Donald Trump returns, he's going to need Alliance Defending Freedom with his back covered as they have covered constitutional causes for a very long time. Head over to QQIT.com, find that banner, uh, and call 855-374-4123. Stay tuned. Welcome back, America. I'm QQIT, back after a lot of travel. I greatly enjoyed being at the National Religious Broadcasters on Thursday. As I said in the first segment, thanks to Dwayne for filling in for me, because I had to leave after the show on on, uh, Thursday. Flew to Nashville, landed, threw the bag in the room, went down, and knocked it dead, because I know the issues of concerned NRB 
We want AM radio saved. We want religious liberty protected. Uh, it was the presidential forum. The NRB is not partisan. They're a 501c3. They do not um, advocate Republicans or Democrats, but their speakers can do whatever they want. And we have to elect a Republican to save the country. But I didn't, I didn't, I haven't taken a side between former President Trump and Ambassador Haley, and this was before three in a row for Donald Trump on Saturday, and, and Ambassador Haley was trying to keep expectations low, but she wanted to do better than she did in New Hampshire with 43%, and she didn't. It was a thumping, uh, but we'll come back to that. I want to first tell you, I, I said in the remarks, we have no idea what our keynote speaker is going to say tonight, because only Trump accepted the invitation that the NRB extended to Nikki Haley and President Biden. And I don't understand why politicians don't want to talk to broadcasters ever. But Donald Trump never misses a, a meeting. Uh, and so I, I was uh, made some references to the president's and my many, 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 many conversations over the years and my Trump tattoos and how he's the best interview in America, because he is the best interview in America. And we talked then, we in the audience talked about the various sorts of religious broadcasters out there that aren't necessarily very good. Hamas, evil religious broadcaster. Uh, Iran, evil religious broadcaster. The Chinese Communist Party. Now, Marxist-Leninism is a secular religion, but it is a uh, it is a deeply felt belief system, and it's a religious system. And there are more. There are lots of religious broadcasters. These are Christian religious broadcasters that I was talking to. Uh, I didn't talk about the Times of Israel or the great podcast from Dan Senor, Call Me Back, which I'll listen to after the show today. It comes out usually over the weekend and can't be missed. I didn't talk about the Times of Israel and the great Israeli media, which is another kind of media. But then I did mention that secular absolutism media, i.e. legacy media, NBC, CNN, CBS, ABC, they are a religious broadcaster, too. Their religion is secular absolutism. And they really don't like me and they don't like you. Uh, legacy media puts up with me. I mean, I show up on MSNBC and NBC and CNN and ABC and everywhere. CBS, I do them all because I am a center-right guy and I know religious liberty and I'm a Republican and I never try and hide it. They'll try to hide it. I tell you, the, the worst line of all these stories I did for you is the New York Times saying the Republican nominating contest isn't a competition, it's a coronation. That's allegedly a report. It's not a report. It's the real deal. It really happened, but I'll come back to that. Anyway, on Thursday night, I give my, my speech. It's great. I leave the stage, stand around backstage, and Kevin Roberts goes out, great leader of Heritage Foundation, doing great things at Heritage. And they're preparing campaign, you know, America 2025, the 2025 project um, for when Donald Trump wins, who's going to staff the government this time. Kevin Roberts doing a great uh, business at Heritage right now, getting ready. And they give him the stretch signal. And pork. I'm so glad I went second first because I have to give a very short speech. I'm not going to play what I had to say to you. It's online if you want to watch it. But then the former president finally arrives two and a half hours late because of weather over Nashville. He landed the plane. I'm not sure I would have landed the plane. That had to be the bumpiest landing I've ever made in my life was at Hilton Head Island. But my best friend from high school, my prom date, was getting married. She's been my friend forever, P.G., and I wasn't going to miss it, so we landed. And it was just, it was a bumpy descent when you descend through a thunderstorm. Good pilots can do it. And former President Trump showed up. And one of the first things he says 
is this. Can we play cut number whatever is his intro of me? A man who's treated me most of the time is pretty good. And I like him, and he is a smart guy. You, Hewitt. Where are you, you? You couldn't Where are you? Yeah, but but it's fine. You, Hewitt. And I'm reminded of every single person from New York, actually from Tarzana, Joe Land, Queens, and Rhode Island, a little bit north, a little bit south. I cannot say my name, and that's fine. I do not care. That's just fine by me. Uh, I I just, I want to say he killed it at NRB. Then he went to CPAC, and he killed it. Um, now, there's a bad word in here, but I, I'm going to play it and I'm going to count on Adam to, to click on it. Donald Trump at CPAC on Saturday laid out the big theme coming up, cut number nine. Because the fact is, Joe Biden is a threat to democracy. He really is a threat to democracy. I stand before you today not only as your past and hopefully future president, but as a proud political dissident. I am a dissident. Remember this, I've been indicted more than Alphonse Capone, Mr. President. Do you know who that is? Even the president just said, I do. Scarface, Al Capone. If he had dinner with you and he didn't like the smile in your face, he thought you were mocking him by smiling, you would be dead before you got home and said hello to your wife. And Alphonse Capone, I, have, I got indicted four times by this gang of thugs for nothing. Or respectfully to the people of the countries for both. See, well, I had to break out the word there. And it, it is, it, he's coming back. Keep going. Thank you, Thank you. Now, it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous what's going on. They've weaponized government. They've weaponized the DOJ, the FBI. Uh, we've never had anything like this in this country. And it's, uh, it's a phenomenon that's taken place many times, but in third world countries and in banana republics, not in the United States of America. So it's very dangerous. And they are indeed a threat to democracy. And I'm here to unleash this captive nation from Joe Biden and his gang of very bad people, very sick people, smart people, intelligent people, but they're hell-bent on the destruction of American freedom. It's happening in our country, and it's so obvious. That is going to be his theme, that he is a political dissident and that the weaponization of justice is far advanced. I think we're going to see it unfold to his benefit, but I'm not sure. Andy McCarthy believes every single count in New York is nonsense. And, and I'm going to have Andy on to explain it. The McCarthy Report explains it podcast in depth. Every single one of the charges in New York, complete nonsense. Alvin Bragg stacked the charges, uh, and the original charge is uh, falsification of business records. Misdemeanor. Uh, and again, no one hurt, nothing going on here. This is about the Stormy Daniels payment. Somehow it's turned into 31 misdemeanors, but they're, they're misdemeanors. However... There's a provision of New York state law that says if there's done in pursuant of a felony, then you can charge them as felonies and you can seek a five-year statute of limitations. So Alvin Bragg, 
I mean, another crash test jump dummy prosecutor, as opposed to judge, took this all together, stacked the complaints, and he's running what is essence uh, an election campaign against Donald Trump in March, where they'll talk about Stormy Daniels for a month, then he'll be convicted, and I think it's going to help Trump. Uh, Now, some people say talk about Stormy Daniels every single day for a month in court, and it won't hurt him. I don't know. It's a spectacle. It's a nonsense charge. The underlying felony is a campaign finance federal crime, which has never been charged or prosecuted by federal prosecutors and over which Alvin Bragg has no jurisdiction. So it ought to have been dismissed. All of it ought to have been dismissed. And I don't know what Trump's lawyers are going to try removal or if they're hoping the Supreme Court grants cert on the uh, immunity case to define the four corners of presidential immunity from criminal proceedings. And there's arguments going to be that this happened before he became president. Therefore, it's not. I don't know. There's a good argument to pause everything until the fall after the election because it's election interference every day. But I think they're going to barrel ahead. I think he's going to get convicted. And I don't think it's going to matter. I think America is going to say that was nonsense. And the weaponization of DOJ with Jack Smith, Javert, and the Fannie Wills. I almost feel bad for her. Her, uh, you know, what happened to her over the weekend, uh, it, it shouldn't happen to your worst enemy to be embarrassed that way. Uh, because she was just lying through her teeth when she testified last week about when she and the, quote, special prosecutor she hired started sleeping together. And it's a it's it's just it all came out in the phone records. As Judge Janine said on Fox News, they were knocking ankles for a long time. It was a pretty funny line. I hadn't heard that before. And the phone records prove it. So that one's discredited. It's done. Uh, the, the, the joke of a case in D.C. will not survive. It, it's Bob McDonald 2.0. Jack Smith brought Bob McDonald, the one that he lost, 9-0. But the one in Manhattan is even worse. The only legit case out there, and I don't know what happens there, is in Florida, the obstruction of justice case. Not that counts about the papers. Those he's going to win eventually because the Presidential Records Act needs to be interpreted. There are a lot of things people don't know about the Presidential Record Act or about the National Archive and how politicized they are. But obstruction is the one serious iceberg out there, and I haven't heard his defense yet, so we will see. But all the American people are going to see for the next month and a half is Alvin Bragg. And I really do believe this is going to help the president long term, the former president, beat the current president. There's another reason he's going to win, and that's because Joe Biden is falling apart in real time. There's a black tie dinner at the White House on uh, Saturday night. Now, mind you, if you're watching on Salem News Channel, you're going to watch Joe Biden. There is a giant picture of Abraham Lincoln behind him, the portrait of Lincoln. It's in the East Room. Listen to this cut number. uh, Where is it? Cut number 18. And, you know, uh, stand here in front of this portrait the man behind me here, he uh, he said, and I want to make sure I get the quote exactly right. He said, the better angel, he said, we must address the council and address the better angels of our nature. And we do and we do well to remember what else he said. He said, we're not enemies, but we're friends. It's the middle of the, in the part of the Civil War. He said, we're not enemies, but we're friends. We must not be enemies, folks. And I've been around, I know I don't look it, I've been around a long while. <laughs> and, uh, and I mean this sincerely. We've gotten, politics has gotten too bitter. 
He can't remember the name of Abraham Lincoln, and he can't read a cue card from the first inaugural, and it's not during the Civil War. It's before the Civil War. We are not enemies. We are friends. We must not be enemies. It's like everyone knows this. Joe Biden knows he can't remember it, and he just had looked at Lincoln. Oh, I, I think he's going to get thumb, like Trump, thumb, Haley. Stay tuned. I want to remind everyone, a great sponsor of the program is MyPhDWeightLoss.com. Generalissimo went on that program more than a year ago, lost 50 pounds. He's kept it off. And uh, stress eating is not allowed, I don't believe, even though we're under a lot of... Uh, sure uh, tempted uh, to this week, aren't we? Uh, everybody is. I, but, but we don't... They, I'm sure they give you tricks of the trade to combat that because that's one of the habits. You broke that habit. You're not going by Del Taco or Taco no, Bell. Have not. No. You haven't relapsed. Have not relapsed. And um, that is a, and it's healthy, it's wise, it's yes. productive. 864-644-1900. That's 864-644-1900. Three-inch teeth. That's not a description of Generalissimo, though it does apply. Uh, my producer extraordinaire has totally failed here. C.J. Box has a brand new book out, Three-Inch Teeth. And CJ joins me now. CJ, welcome. I don't know when we're having lunch, whether it's today or Wednesday. You tell me. It's but a, when is it's it, CJ? Wednesday. I'm coming to Orange County. Uh, That's today. you know. I looked at your calendar at book signings, and my producer was all over me about getting a reservation day. I said, I think he's coming Wednesday because I think he's opening up in Arizona with his book signings. Am I not correct? That is correct. That's exactly correct. You know, if I had a producer, not only would I really have this together, but I would know when we were having lunch. But <laughs> CJ, not only is is he a bad producer, he totally failed on fri- on Thursday because I had to fly to Nashville and I had the CJ Box reader's copy of Three Inch Teeth ready to go. And he did not remind me to take it with me. So I had to read as much as I could. Last. This is the first time you've appeared on this show and I've not read the full book. First time. And it's all Dwayne's fault. Oh, well, geez. I, I don't know what to say about him. Although he did a good job on Friday. I do have to, you know, let, let you know, admit that. It was darn good. Well, that's only because he had botched telling me to take three-inch nails with me. And he had the <laughs> wrong day for lunch. And I just, I'm just telling you, if I had a producer, this show would rock. Let me, let me bring up at, to, at the beginning. I'm very flattered. This is on page seven. All right, this is on page seven. It's a description of fly fishing. When the line straightened out suddenly, he set, set, set he strip set the hook by jerking back on the line and raising his rod tip. A fish had taken it. It felt big. He reveled in the electric connection, but he gacked it by pulling too hard, and the line went slack. He figured the trout had either thrown the hook or wrapped the line around the submerged branch or rock, but when he reeled it in, he saw the fly was gone, and the end of the tipper was curled up like a pig's tail. That meant he'd likely tied a poor knot and that a big trout was streaking down the river with a fly hanging out of its mouth. You know, when I sent you a description of how I fly fish the Madison, I didn't know you'd be using it, CJ. That's well, really, I'm flattered. <laughs> I think the description you sent me was of catching the single white fish that you caught on the Madison. It's actually about hooking the guide. That's what. <laughs> so we start with fly fishing, and I want people to know we're going to talk about corner rights, corner crossing. We're going to talk about Judge Hewitt is back, by the way. He's back early, too. I like that. Uh, and then we're going to talk about something I remember very well. This is a book about grizzlies, and it's a book about a lot of different things. But 
Do you remember the 1967 attacks which led to the May 1969 Sports Illustrated three-part series? I do not. I do not well, remember that. that. When I, you're too young. It came out in 1969. It was about the grizzly attacks in Yellowstone. Three-parter in SI. I read every word, and I decided... Those bears are not my friends. And you get this book going fast, proving that. Have you ever come across a grizzly out there? I have. I've had a couple of what the wildlife official call, you know, close encounters. That doesn't mean I was ever attacked. But um, I did it. I did come close to a grizzly bear once while fly fishing in Yellowstone Park. It was upstream from me. And um, I retreated pretty fast when I realized it was there. And then that night, um, we were staying in a little wilderness cabin. And uh, the next morning, there were big, big, muddy paw prints on the front door. Um, it tried to get in. But uh, I've never, you know, I've never come face to face with a grizzly or had to decide what to do. Now, I don't know that it was a grizzly, but when I was up at the Wild Adventure doing my fly fishing or my, my pretend fly fishing, with Bill Lobdell, we had a bear crash into the cabin twice, maybe three times. Cause I had Why was up, that? Uh, because I had Pringles in the cabin. And, and I didn't think Pringles <laughs> counted as food because it had a top on it, right? It, it counts wasn't like, with the bear's food. Well, it, and, they, and that was a big animal, whatever it was, trying to break down the cabin. Um, so grizzlies are not to be messed with. And so three-inch teeth is the best title you've ever had. I mean, I just think people start looking three-inch teeth. And how big are grizzly CJ box? Um, females are, you know, 350 pounds. Males can get to over 400 pounds. And they stand how tall when they get up? Oh, seven, eight feet. And as we now know from reading three-inch nails, they can swim, which I was unaware of well, fast. Yes, they can swim. Um, there have been some incidents in the last few years where grizzlies have have um, swum, swam after fishing boats. Um, so they're, they, they can not only swim, but they're really fast, you know, 45 miles an hour in a sprint. Uh, Three-inch nails, I'm not sure. It's going to bring back Night of the Grizzlies, which is the three-parter from SI in 1969. Where are you signing books today in Arizona, CJ? I'm in uh, uh, Phoenix and Scottsdale. I'm going to be in Sun City West this morning and then this evening, um, in Scottsdale at Poison Pan Bookstore. Um, actually, it's going to be at a church because we, the crowds are, are too big for the store. You better have that hand brace. We'll talk about that after the break, and we'll play it again tomorrow. C.J. Box and I are going to continue talking after the end. The book is Three Inch Teeth. I'm going to have lunch with him on Wednesday, no matter what Dwayne said. He was yelling at me that it was today. I knew it wasn't today, and he didn't tell me to take it with me. Don't go anywhere, C.J. I'm going to come right back and talk about Three Inch Nails. You can go and order it. The audiobook is now available to download. It's available at bookstores everywhere. C.J. Box has got another number one bestseller on his hands for Joe Pickett, because it is a Joe Pickett novel, and I'll talk more with C.J. after this. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Harley. I'm not sure I should thank Dwayne for bad information and not telling me to take the book with me, but I will. Thank you, Dwayne. Stand by, America. I'm back now with C.J. Box, author of the brand-new Joe Pickett novel, Three Inch Teeth. Three Inch Teeth is available at C.J. Box Books. It's available at every Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It's got its own website, but if you go to cjboxbooks.net, you will find out where CJ is signing these books, including soon in Orange County when I am going to have lunch with him on Wednesday, despite what Dwayne says. 
And uh, I, I said three-inch nails. That's really uh, wrong. Three-inch teeth is the name of the book. CJ, let me ask you. I only got the first part of this book done, uh, so I can't possibly spoil it for people, so I can ask. First of all, I want people to know that uh, bad guys are back, and we're in Rollins again. And you're always letting people out of Rollins. How come they have Wyoming justice lets people out early? Well, in this case, it's Dallas Cates. Who oh, I wasn't going to give the name. I wouldn't do any sport. Dallas Cates, everyone knows who he is if they're a Joe Pickett fan, so I wasn't going to tell him the name, but you're letting them know he's getting out early. That's right. Well, you know, he, he went to prison kind of a little bit on trumped-up charges that Joe Pickett was involved in. Um, they, the law enforcement couldn't nail him for the things they knew he did. He, there wasn't evidence there, so they, they kind of – set the table and, and got him off the street. And um, Joe was involved in that, still feels, and he still feels kind of a little bit guilty about that. But when Dallas Cates is in prison, um, his entire family uh, is killed. He loses his property. He loses his reputation. So when he comes out, um, he's got six names tattooed on his skin of the people he wants to go after for revenge. And Joe Pickett is one of them. And he's also got uh, an affiliation. You, you you know your gangs in the Wyoming State Pen. He's got an affiliation with a prison gang, and he's a bad bad actor. We know that from previous things. So he's back. You know who else is back? At Judge Hewitt, as I said yesterday on the on the program. But the Grizzly is back. And whenever you start in, there's fly fishing in the book. There are Grizzlies in the book. And I don't know which way you're going to go with this, but I do know that I've never heard of a predator attack team before. Tell us about that, because um, I'm glad to know they exist, but they exist because uh, that's why I don't go camping. They exist because I don't go camping. <laughs> what, what does the predator attack team do, uh, CJ? Well, in Wyoming, it, it really exists, and it's made up of uh, various game wardens and game and fish department officials. It's like a SWAT team for animals when whenever there is a, uh, a fatal or a near fatal um, encounter with grizzly bears or other kind of large carnivores, the predator attack team arms up and arrives on the scene. And in some cases, they're able to trap and relocate the grizzly bear. But in other cases, when it's too severe, um, they, they, they arrive to kill it. And I, I uh, interviewed um, two members of the predator attack team in Wyoming, one of them being the, the supervisor of it. And he told me, he told me some hair-raising tales um, in one case where two grizzly bears attacked the helicopter as it landed um, at the body of an of a, uh, elk hunting guide who the bears had killed. And, and, you know, sometimes in most cases, grizzly bear behavior is pretty – you can predict it, um, you can avoid it. Void attacks, but in just a few cases, the bears act um, so irrationally, almost like homicidal bears, that um, the experts can't explain it. I have known for 55 years of my 68 years that grizzly bears are not to be messed with. And this is before watching The Revenant. It is because of that SI article, which is very famous, Night of the Grizzlies, when there was a rogue grizzly in Yellowstone killing campers like a serial grizzly bear camper killer. And I thought, oh, my gosh, he's going to go make sure I never go to Yellowstone in this book. Am I ever going to go to Yellowstone? Are they actually outside the park now from Yellowstone and, and rampaging? 
Well, I wouldn't say rampaging, but they, yeah, they're, they're beyond, they have extended their range beyond Yellowstone Park. And the, uh, the last three fatalities were outside of Yellowstone Park. How long did it take to research this book since grizzlies are at the – and we're going to come to BLM in a second, but how long? A couple of years. Um, I, I spoke to a member of the grizzly – or the uh, predator attack team a few years ago, interviewed him, and then while researching this book, was able to spend a lot of time with uh, a guy who's considered – he's the large carnivore specialist for the state of Wyoming, first on the scene of every – every grizzly bear attack. And we went through some of the, the uh, fatalities and step-by-step step what they found. Um, in some cases, you know, the, the attacks were provoked, not intentionally. Um, you know, when a, when a guy walks, when somebody walks between a grizzly sow and her cubs, things, bad things can happen. But in a couple of cases, the attacks were literally unprovoked. They, the bears just came charging out of the trees and, and got guys before they could, React now. There are very few handguns that can stop a grizzly. Correct. Uh, well, there no. There's a few. Um, you know, a 10 millimeter Glock, a 454 Casul, a 44 Magnum. Those can all stop a grizzly bear. Um, okay. And bear spray can too. In most cases. Oh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna trust myself to that. If I'm going out where the grizzlies are, I'm gonna make sure somebody's with me, or I'm gonna be in a cabin and no Pringles are gonna be in there. So, CJ, let's also talk about, uh, I think this is going to be about, there are always three plots in a Joe Pickett book. So we got the Grizzly plot. We got, as we talked about yesterday, Dallas Cates is back. And I think we've got uh, BLM versus property rights uh, versus hunters angle. Am I right about that? A little bit. Yeah, it's addressed in this book. It's. It, 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 I don't want to get too obscure in the weeds, but... It's a big issue in the Mountain West. A corner crossing suits are, are in effect. Um, and in effect, there's public land in some areas in a checkerboard pattern that go across private land. And um, because GPSs are so accurate, um, hunters have learned that they can literally step from uh, the corner of public land to the next corner of public land um, and, and and basically enter large ranches that were considered private before. That's actually, I was thinking about it last night after I read about this. I was unaware of the corner rights controversy, but we got three Pennsylvania hunters early on, and I hope they get eaten, by the way. They're from Pennsylvania. So did, <laughs> if, if they're the ones who are going to get eaten by this rogue grizzly number two, three, and four victims, that's okay. Were they Steeler fans? Oh, probably. You know, you know how they are. Well, they're they're grizzly bait, and so early on we got grizzly bait from Pennsylvania. I like that part. We've got old bad guys showing up. We got Joe is older, and and we got Sheridan involved. But tell me about the um, Judge Hewitt's role in this, because he, I mean, he never showed up this early. He has to appoint mm-hmm. somebody, so he had to appoint mm-hmm. a sheriff, right? Well, he is he's advocating. For uh, a new sheriff who happens to be his son-in-law, um, and yes, I, I can't wait till you read later. I can't uh, either. Hugh, uh, some uh, Hugh Hewitt or uh, Judge Hewitt um, figures in quite 
prominently later in the book. That's all. Well, I'm if I hadn't had, I will be ready by Wednesday lunch because I've got two days, and I don't. I won't have producer failure unless you try and schedule through Dwayne again. Has this you not persuaded not, you, you CJ? Meet me for lunch after you read further, but well, let's hope so. Yeah, I will be done by the time you show up. I just want you to know you well, can't rely on Dwayne to set up lunch or to remember remind me to take the book with me. I've been, you know, I do television hits from this studio, and I've had uh, three inch teeth behind me for the last. I know. Month. I hope you that helped pre-sales. Is it number one on the New York Times? Well, we won't know for a week, but the pre-sales for this book are up 49% over last year. Holy so smokes! Funny. So many friends of ours um, in Wyoming sent us screenshots of you on Fox News with the book behind you. Um, they took them off their TV set, yeah. <laughs> and, and it was great. Yeah, I purposefully, when I'm reading a book or about to read a book, and that's why Dwayne's failure was so bad, I had put it up there <laughs> instead of where I normally put books to read before the author shows up. And Dwayne promised that take three-inch teeth off of the, the 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 primo spot for Fox and CNN. It was also on CNN. No one sent you the CNN shot, did they? No, they didn't, as, yeah. as a matter of fact. Your friends don't watch CNN, do they? <laughs> no, they do not. No, they do not. Well, I'm not surprised, but the, the CNN crowd, I don't know how many pre-sales you get from them, but the Fox people said, Joe Pickett's back, and they ran out and they pre-ordered it. Um, so how long, how, where are you going on the book tour, CJ? Um, starting in uh, Phoenix and Scottsdale, and then to Dallas for a couple of big library events, then Orange County on Wednesday uh, with their uh, the Orange County Library, and then off to St. Louis, Denver, um, and then I'm missing spots, uh, and then I'll do uh, a few events in Wyoming, and then back to the Tucson Book Festival. In a, in a, All of CJ's signing appearances are over at cjbox.net. Um, cjbox. Is it cjboxbooks.net or cjbox.net? cjbox.net. CJBox.net. It's got a list of events, and it's got a calendar, and you want to find out where he's going, go there. So, CJ, tell me about the TV show, where it is, whether we've got a third season coming as well, and what they're doing in terms of how they're doing the book order. Sure. Um, yeah, Joe Pickett ran two seasons, one season on uh, Charter Spectrum, a special channel, and then um, two seasons on Paramount+. Plus. Right now, it likely not to come back. Um, the producers are trying to find a new streaming service for it. It's complicated. I won't go into the, all those things, but because it was commissioned by Charter Spectrum, um, Paramount Plus didn't have a lot of skin in the game. And even though it was pretty well rated, they didn't Yes, it. it was. Um, yeah, it, it, it was their third, uh, what we heard is their third highest rated show, but they didn't own it and they wanted to do their own thing. So um, when they're when their agreement ran out with Charter, they decided not to renew it, which... Um, oh, that's going to make a lot of people it. unhappy. You know, we thought they did a good job, and um, I think it, it did well, so we hope it lands somewhere else, but at this point, I can't announce anything. Superb production values, uh, good storytelling, uh, fidelity to the overarching arc of the story of Joe Pickett and his family. It made for great seasons one and two, and there's season three coming but that there's a lot of time. Whenever people can make money, a streaming platform will step up. I guess it's charters to sell. 
I, I, it, I don't even understand how it all works. Um, I, there, there need to be some kind of agreement with Charter for it to move, and Charter is no longer doing original programming, so I don't know how that works. You keep you keep writing books and let your agent figure that out, CJ. That's um, right. <laughs> tell me, what do you um, when you do this over years? Do you want an X percent increase year over year for a new book? You know, I don't. I never have a real strategy towards this. Of course, I want every. Luckily, at this point, every book has outsold the last um, for twenty four years. And That's remarkable. This one's already poised to do that. So there will be a point, you know, there just has to be where the sales kind of top out or level out. But so far, so good. And, you know, I'm just always grateful that that's happened. I actually don't think that's, well, eventually, because you're aging, Joe, he's got to die at some point. But, uh, yeah, it just, he's getting older every day. What's the, when, what's the mandatory retirement age for a Wyoming game warden? Well, it's, it's not mandatory, but it's 65. And, um, you know, Joe Pickett is 51 in this book. So, um, you know, he can keep, keep, keep going for a while. Yeah, we got and 16 so or so a year. He can retire and then unretire. Danny Silva's done that with Gabriel Alon, right? They keep bringing him back regardless. So they can keep going. So we got 17 years. How old are you, CJ? I'm 65. I didn't know that. You look like you're 10 years younger than I am. Well, then you can write books to your 80. Uh, we can get 15 years out of you. Go back to work. I, uh, are you slowing down? I, are you still doing two a year? No, I've, I've, I've slowed down to I'm just doing one a year. Um, but I got plans to do an additional one, maybe not a Joe Pickett book, but another book um, in the next year that I need to get started once the next Joe Pickett book is done. But no, I, 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 that book and a half year pace as uh, was a little bit too much. Yeah, it's unnecessary. Uh, don't kill yourself. That's a, you know, enjoy life. You are one of the country's, if not the country's leading seller of books. Uh, Joe Pickett, how many did you sell last time around? You know, I don't know the actual number. Um, all I know is, you know, increases, um, you know, the last book was up. It was a number one bestseller, um, both in hardcover and ebook, for five weeks. Um, but I never, you know, you don't wow. get total number of books. Uh, maybe somebody does, but I've never heard anybody say, "Yeah, that last one sold one hundred and sixty-eight thousand copies." I don't yeah. know what. Oh, well, yeah, I think you're you're way into the six figures. But I went looking in Nashville and in LAX and they really do. Res- the laydown date is the laydown date. They didn't put it out in the airports. I'm sure it's out today in the airports because it's out today. It drops today. And you're just people are going to grab it because Joe Pickett's got a fan club. Now, I got to ask you about book signings. What is the strangest book signing question you've ever gotten? Oh, it wasn't a question. It was a comment once. A woman, actually, I was signing in Yellowstone Park. Well, you'll never go, Hugh. Um, I flew uh, over it. I've seen it. A, a, a woman standing in line glaring at me. And when she finally got to that table, she said, she knew my first wife, Judy, and then she called and then she cursed at me and walked, stomped away. And I've never had a first wife. I was going to say, what? Wife. And everybody in line looked at me like, what a jerk this guy must be. Uh, and, and my wife actually overheard her say this. So that was one of the weirdest ones. How many years have you been married? Soon to be 40 in just a couple months. Yeah, you're just a couple of years behind me. And I, I got to tell you, that has never happened to me. Uh, what what do you think that's about? 
I think she, I think she mistook me for someone else. That's the only explanation I have. And I never saw her again, never got a chance to ask her, but, um, Never been cursed at like that. No, that's that's out of the ordinary. And how many people do you expect to be in in um, Orange County? Because you're going to come to Orange County on Wednesday. This will play on Tuesday. I want people to know where you're coming in Orange County, California. Where are you going to be? I'm going to. I, I'm going to. I've got to look this up because it's a special place. It's a special deal. Um, I think it's, it's Laguna Wood Library. Orange County Library. Yes, I'm looking that up right now. Yeah, because and the reason I'm doing this for the benefit of the audience is that um, I used to live in Orange County, California, and I used to do uh, uh, CJ in the afternoons, and Orange County got to love CJ, and I don't know that you've done a book signing out here in 10 years, have you? It's been a long time. It's Laguna Hills Community Center. I knew it was not a lot. Laguna Hills Community Center. Okay. What time are you doing that? The library is sponsoring it. Okay. And so Laguna Hills Community Center, what time, CJ? At 6.30. Okay. Well, we'll be done with lunch by then. So that'll be good. Good. (laughs) If it's a three-martini lunch, have you ever done a book signing after a three-martini lunch? I have not. I don't plan to. to yeah, well, Dwayne does that. Start. That's a Dwayne lunch. That's why he never gets to go out. And that's why he wasn't that's a very good prosecutor. The, day wrong. the day's yeah. wrong on when we're going to have lunch. Yeah, I, I, You know, now you've glimpsed my life. I'm so glad someone has finally glimpsed my life. Dwayne has been yelling <laughs> at me to get a reservation. He's been telling me Monday. He didn't tell me to take the book with me. You finally glimpsed my life. Let me ask you one last question about three-inch teeth. How, what do we do with grizzlies outside of the park? What what do you want people to do? You know, it's a conundrum. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot of information in the book about um, how to avoid grizzly bears and what to do if, if, in fact, you know, a person runs into them. But the real fact is, in some cases, the attacks are so unprovoked and so vicious that there's almost nothing anybody can do, um, you know, other than just... I guess what you do, not go outside. Well, not go outside. To the woods. What's that? I wish you would go look up Night of the Grizzlies uh, and the the SI article, because you are old enough, actually, to have read that. Did you read SI as a kid? Yeah, I did. I used to get it every week, but that was, I think it was later on, much later on than that. It's in 1969, and the the bear attacks were in 1967. took the guy a while to write the SI article, then it turned into a, a book about grizzlies. And I will never forget those three weeks. Think, I, I couldn't wait to read the next one because it's just, and of course, authorities were befuddled. They had no idea that it was a serial killer grizzly. And is this a serial killer grizzly in three-inch teeth? Yes, it is, but that's part of the misdirection as well. Yes but and no. Yes, yes, in fact. Yes and no? Yes and oh, no. Oh, do we have a couple of grizzlies out there? Yes and no. Judge Hewitt's got a lot of there's problems. There's a couple here. of different kind of predators out. Yes. So I'll put it that way. Okay, no more spoilers. One last question. Who is the governor in this book? Uh, governor, it, it's, uh, geez, I, I almost gave you a wrong answer because I'm working on the next one. It's the last year of um, the last governor, the bad Okay. Governor. Okay, so uh, then uh, our friend is coming back? Yep, Governor yeah. Rulon is back in office in the next book. Yeah, well, he's, uh, that's a spoiler. 
That's a spoiler. He wins the election. Oh, well, they'll forget by next year. CJ, I will see you at lunch on Wednesday. We will play this on Tuesday. If you want to see him in Phoenix, you're too late. He's gone. I don't know where he is on Tuesday. Where are you on Tuesday? I'm in Dallas. In Dallas on Tuesday, Orange County, California on Wednesday. And beyond that, look at cjbox.net, cjbox.net. The brand new book is Three Inch Teeth. And I read the first part of it last night after I didn't take it to Nashville with me because of Dwayne. And I'm hooked. And I'm mad at the BLM already. But we'll talk about that later. (laughs) CJ, thank you. See you on Wednesday, my friend. Thank you so much, Hugh. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Morning, glory, America. Bonjour, high Canada. Jim Garrity joins me. Jim of National View and the Washington Post. Jim, let's begin with South Carolina's results. Uh, the New York Times wrongly reports that the Republicans have conducted a coronation, not a competition. That's actually reversed. The Democrats are having the coronation. The Republicans have had a competition, but it looks like it's over to me. What do you think? Look, it probably was over after Iowa Um, or you would say it was over after Trump's first indictment. Uh, You know, he had a very large lead in the polls, both in those early states and nationally. But I think what Nikki Haley is demonstrating is that there's a significant chunk of the party, not a majority, but a significant chunk anywhere from nearly half in Iowa to about 40 percent in South Carolina, you know, 39.5, whatever it was who are like, nah, we don't like Trump. This is not what we're most comfortable with. We don't see him as a safe bet for the general election. There's too much of a circus. There's too much of a drama. Could be January 6th stuff makes it, for whatever reason, they're just, nope, this is not the direction we want to go in. Now, that's not enough to win the nomination. Uh, As I just put up in the corner, she's getting three delegates out of a possible 50 in South Carolina. That's not nothing. And I point out that the district she won is where mom and dad uh, live. So hi, mom and dad. Um, but just kind of observing that, you know, the, the, uh, in a normal Republican primary, the front runner would be like, wow, OK, well, I'm glad I'm winning, but I'd have to you know, figure out some way to unify. Um, as I wrote in the post column this weekend, you may have seen that comment from one of the Trump aides where, you know, DeSantis had made this utterly mundane observation that Trump should not use identity politics for selecting the his, his running mate. And it was you're going to be remembered for chicken fingers and pudding uh, with your eating pudding with your fingers. It was this like volcanic eruption of rage against a guy who left the race a month ago and endorsed Trump. And there is this like nasty vindictiveness. Well, who, who said that? I missed that. Was uh, let me get it. Hang on. Don't have anything. My fingertips. Well, it, that's it okay, one of the top level. When, when, well, while you look for no, that, I, I want to. I'm sure your listeners love to hear me looking for something at this very second. That's you. Know, yeah, that's it. I, I want to play for you. No label chairman, Joe Cunningham, who was on Fox with Will Kane, because I think Nikki Haley is eyeing no labels. I want to hear what you think about it. Carolina first district. What's that? The former congressman who represented South Carolina's first district. There's a theme running through this entire segment. You. It okay. all comes back to my parents' house. Okay, here. Now, I don't know if No Labels has got your parents' vote, but here is cut number 32, Low Labels, Joe Cunningham. Well, I mean, the truth is we're talking to a lot of spectacular people right now, and we're not ready to unveil those folks just yet. Uh, this has been a project uh, to essentially give Americans another choice if they're unhappy with the presumptive nominees, which, you know, it appears it's going to be Trump versus Biden right now. But we don't know. Nikki Haley, she's going to remain in the race. You can't count her out completely. 
Uh, and hats off to her for staying in it and for sticking with it. But we're looking for great quality people, folks that have broad appeal to independents, Democrats, Republicans. And um, and yeah, I mean, Nikki Haley is somebody we, we'd definitely be interested in. Now, I uh, I got to tell you, Jim Garrity, I spent the weekend after I flew to Cha- uh, to to Nashville to address the NRB and then the former president came along. I went to back to California, went out and spent the weekend with uh, three former senior Trump administration national security people. And we listened together to Nikki Haley's, quote, concession speech. And I said to him, I think she's thinking no labels. What do you think? Um, one challenge would be, maybe you saw me wince or cringe a bit when the possibility of Nikki Haley running on the no labels ticket, and that's not out of disliking, uh, Nikki Haley. And I think no labels, you know, on paper, they can say, look, there are a lot of Americans who don't like Trump. There are a lot of Americans who don't like Biden. They don't like either of these options. They're looking for something else. In theory, all that makes sense. Um, I got to look at one of my on my to do list is to look at the sore loser laws and to see which states Nikki Haley would not be eligible to run in. I do know that 47 states have some version of it. Now, each one's got a slightly different one. Some would apply, some wouldn't, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, no label. It would be out of all the people who can be a potential candidate for no labels. People who've lost the Republican primary are one of the more challenging ones because they won't be eligible to be on the ballot everywhere. I got to tell you, though, I I think those are unconstitutional, Jim. I just want you to know there's an argument that those uh, sore loser laws are unconstitutional in the federal election for president. But assume for for a moment she's not ideal, except she's the biggest name that anyone is even remotely close to accepting no labels. I I would agree with that. And I would point out, you know, Joe Manchin said he's not interested in running. Uh, Larry Hogan said he's going to run for Senate. So a lot of the names we've seen associated with no labels have, have you know, taken themselves out of, uh, out, out of the running. Now, if no labels goes to Joe Manchin and says, please, we're begging you, you're the best option we have, maybe Manchin changes his mind. But, uh, you know, um, I can see the prospect of it. And, I, again, I, don't, I, I hear from people who say, oh, no, this is Nikki Haley trying to set herself up for 2028 or something like that. I, I suppose that's possible, but I don't th- – first of all, Trump's going to win the nomination. I don't see Trump, re, you know, becoming warm and fuzzy towards Nikki Haley again. You've seen her lash out at the way she dresses, lash out at the way. I just don't see him becoming cool with her. So whether he wins the presidency in, in, in November or not, I just think that she, she's going to be persona non grata to Trump world, to the MAGA movement. And I just don't see that being a potential option unless sometime in that span, the MAGA movement if it doesn't collapse, it becomes less than a majority of the party. And right yeah, now, based on the early, I, I think it's, it's, a it's more than a for her to do no labels. And her rhetoric has not been helpful in the last couple of weeks uh, for unifying the party. But it is what it is. I'm just now going to ask you to throw a dart for who do they get to run with her if she ran? I, I threw the dart. I think Tim Ryan is the best they can do for the undercard. If it's Haley Ryan, you've got. A center right to conserve. I mean, Nikki Haley's actually pretty doggone conservative. And then Tim Ryan, who's a very conservative Democrat, but a Democrat who's a loyal Democrat and a Nancy Pelosi enemy. What do you think of a Haley Ryan third party ticket? Does it go John Anderson or does it go bigger than John Anderson? Out of the options they've had, that's actually one of the better combinations. Um, I, I don't think there's much point in thinking geography because I don't think. The odds of a third-party candidate winning a state are very unlikely. 
Ross Perot got 19 percent nationwide in 1992 and was, you know, the strongest we've seen in many, many, in many like a couple generations as a third party candidate. Didn't win a state. Didn't really come all that close to winning a state, if my memory serves correctly. So don't worry about what state are they from. Just pick about who is the most appealing figure. Who could you say, you know, if God forbid something happened to the presidential candidate, this person could step in and be president. And I think Tim Ryan, out of the Democrat, first of all, no labels has said that they want a Republican and a Democrat. So the right that's, that's right. has yep. to be a Democrat. Right. And so you, you'd want somebody who's a, obviously got to be a centrist or, or, you know, minimally left of, of center. Uh, I think Ryan fits that. He ran against uh, Pelosi way back when. Kind of populist. Um, ironically, like Tim Ryan, like this might, there might be, like, they wouldn't agree on a bunch of issues. You could have a really good Nikki Haley, Tim Ryan debate themselves uh, on what the actual policies of no labels would be. That's one of the challenges when you try to do a Chinese menu, one from this party, one from that party. Uh, I'm sure you can find issues on protectionism and trade and probably foreign policy and find some disagreements amongst those two. But in terms of people who are like serious candidates who've been elected and who have actually, you know, made a bit of a splash on the national scene, that's pretty good. And I, the, the realm, the, the this pickings amongst conservative Democrats is pretty slim. And I think you're right. I don't think any Democrat currently in office would be that interested in it because you do this, you jump in no labels, every Democrat's going to hate you because you think you're, they, they're convinced they're going to split the vote and elect Trump. I think if you have Nikki Haley as the candidate, the possibility, like, there could be a bunch of like Republicans who are not, who, who, the folks who have not voted for Trump in the primary who'd be very tempted to vote for Nikki Haley in a general election as a third. So, Jim, third I, I want you, I've got one minute here. We Let's just imagine an election with Joe Biden somehow hangs on and Kamala Harris with Donald Trump and uh, uh, let's not name the vice president, Nikki Haley and Tim Ryan running under no labels. Yeah, Cornell West running as the, I guess, the Green Party candidate or something. I don't know which one he is. And then you've got Bobby Kennedy Jr. Uh, okay, what's the percentage for those uh, five candidates in terms of the popular vote? Uh, yeah, when you ask me who's going to win, that's one thing. When I have to do the percentages for five candidates, Hugh, I got to do calculus. Hang on a second, let me. Let me you know, um, I'll be perfectly honest. I genuinely don't because the, the perception has been uh, for the first time it was like, oh, RFK if he runs independent is going to hurt Biden. I actually think that, I'm, and there's some polling that indicates that. There was a terrifying poll by Patrick Ruffini and Kirsten Soltis Anderson who are like thirty some percent of Amer- about a third of Americans think Robert F Kennedy Jr. is his father. Right now. Hugh, we've seen some medical miracles. We've seen people come back from some tough stuff. I tell you, RFK is not coming back from that assassination. That's that's not something, you know. Uh, also, he'd be 99. Like, you know, There's a terrifying illustration of the historical illiteracy of Americans. They think that RFK Jr. is his father. But um, the number? In that scenario, I get Trump wins, but, you know, I, I percentages. And, and nobody gets, none of the third-party candidates get more than, like, 7% nationwide. But it's still a chunk that makes, you know, somebody wins with 40-some percent, like 40. Donald Trump wins with 45 percent. That's my view of that. Donald Trump wins that five-way race with 45 percent of the popular vote. But hang on to that. You come back to Jim Garrity. Follow him on Twitter. Thank you, my friend. Welcome back, America. I am Hugh Hewitt. I am joined by Bethany Mandel, who is now um, surprisingly major news since she was last year. She is now candidate Mandel. And I am stunned that she's decided to throw her hat in the ring for the Montgomery County Board of Education. And Bethany, welcome back. I want to spend two minutes on this and five minutes on Israel. What did you lose your mind? Why are you running for the uh, Montgomery County Board of Education other than to save the children, which is a good motive, but you're still out of your mind. 
Yeah. I mean, you, you sound like my husband. Yesterday, he was folding laundry and I, I dove in to help him. And he said, why don't you sit down? Take two minutes and don't do anything. Don't run for office. Don't fold a shirt. Just sit for two minutes. Are you, are you able to do that? The answer was no, I'm not able to do that. The reason why is because I'm sort of looking around at Montgomery County and thinking, where is the urgency to fix the school board? And the folks who have thrown their hats in the ring are at best more of the status quo and at worst are going to make this school district even worse. And I just thought to myself, you know, the famous, famous Travis Mannion quote, if not me, then who? And that's, that's where I am. If not me, then who? Bethany, what is the website? Because you got to raise a bunch of money. You're in deep blue Montgomery County. Uh, You're a, uh, you're an obviously a homeschooling parent and you want the education establishment to understand education be there for everyone. What's your website? Yep. Bethany, the number four, BOE.com. And you're right. We need to raise at least $25,000 and we're only 5,000 there. So uh, we have a lot to raise. And, and it, it is also an important conversation Montgomery County about what has been happening. Uh, I urge your listeners, even if they don't want to you know, contribute to my campaign, find good board of education candidates in your cities and towns also. Uh, in order to reclaim education in this country, we have to do it at the local level. I'm doing it here in Montgomery County, Bethany4BOE.com. But, you know, everywhere across the country, we need to throw our hats in the ring and do the same. Yeah, my good friend out here in California, Ken Williams, is the uh, incumbent, and he's been waging the right battle for the Orange County Board of Education. So I am glad the Montgomery County Board of Education would have a Ken Williams when you. We will keep talking about that. Now I want to turn to Jake Sullivan yesterday on Meet the Press, said they may not go into Rafa. Benjamin Netanyahu went on Face the Nation, said we're going into Rafa. What do you make of, of President Blinken Sullivan telling Israel what to do on the ground in Gaza? It's wild. I mean, it's especially crazy because they have been parroting this talking point about not going into Rafa, you know, for two weeks now. And the Super Bowl, I'll never forget it. Two hostages were rescued in Rafa. There is obviously so many reasons why Israel needs to go into Rafa, but there's 100 innocent civilians who have been held captive for the last 150 days who need to be rescued, and they are almost certainly in Rafa right now. Eight of them are Americans, by the way. So uh, yep. when, when Jake, uh, President Blinken Sullivan tells people we're not uh, Israel shouldn't go into uh, Rafa, they're saying don't save the Americans now. I understand yep, that you know, said if, they, if we get a ceasefire, we'll oblige. We'll, we'll uh, you know, obviously uh, conform to the ceasefire terms, but it's not close. And I think we're creating an illusion that it's close, Bethany. I don't think it's close. Hamas hasn't backed off their their nuttiness, except in a tiny bit. What do you think is going to happen? I don't think we're close. I think that you're right. I mean, I think that there's this false urgency about Ramadan, which is funny because there was no respect for holidays or any of those things when they attacked on a holiday on Shabbat. And all of a sudden Hamas is like, well, you can't you can't do anything to us on Ramadan. Oh, you that that's wild. Like that 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 rule of law was not was not followed on your end, which started this whole conflict. But no, I, I mean, I agree. We're not close. And, and I am horrified at the fact that President Biden, I've never heard him say a single name 
of an American held hostage, not Abigaili Don, who was held for 51 days, a four-year-old little girl who was orphaned, who turned four in Gaza. He never said her name. He has never said the name of Hirsch Goldberg Poland, a 21-year-old kid who had his arm blown off because he was attending a festival. He's never said any of their names. And it's, it's upsetting to me that they seem to be willing to, you know, not pressure Cutter and not recognize that there are American citizens being held hostage because they want to keep whatever peace there is left in the region. Narrator, it's, it left the region on October 8th. That's it. It's over. Narrator, there is no two-state solution currently animated. Right. The zombie two-state solution exists, but the zombie is not even moving because it detects no movement. Uh, the Palestinian Authority has um, gone into... Uh, Everybody resigns mode. And so they replace it with another PA set of people who are not. A boss is not quitting. I don't think we do anything till a boss quits. Do you? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's so what if they resign? It's all it's all going to be the same old. Um, This is the frustration with the so-called two state solution. Who is running the state here? Um, There's no clear nonviolent candidate on, on the ballot here in, anywhere on the ballot, as if there's a ballot yeah a boss is yeah. about as uh, able as joe biden they're both infirm and so we got president blinken sullivan telling israel what to do but israel's not going to do what they tell him to do bethany for the number four boe bethany the number four boe.com we need her on the montgomery county school board so she can give us a weekly report of her approaching insanity because seth is right you're you are out of your mind to do this, but good for you. Don't go anywhere, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt, hour number three, straight ahead on the Hugh Hewitt Show. This is the Market Report, which is brought to you by our friends at American Federal, AmFed.com. AmericanFederal.com, actually, AmFed coin and bullion sells you gold, silver, platinum. If you're like the one, 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 one hundredth percent of people that collects coins, you can deal with them, too. They're very, very sophisticated. As for Nick or any of his team, Nick Grovich is my pal. If you want to buy gold, buy gold directly from Nick. AmericanFederal.com or call 800-221-7694. Welcome back, America. Congressman John Campbell, retired, used to represent Southern California, joins me. Through the chaos is the I want, look through chaos is his Twitter handle. Look through chaos. And the uh, the Substack is what, John? Substack isn't up yet, but the website is look through the chaos dot com. Look through the chaos dot com. I'll get the Substack set up soon. You got to get rolling, and, and he and Dwayne are launching a podcast next year, sometime or maybe earlier. Depends on when they get their. <laughs> it may actually be next week. Yeah, we don't know. But John Campbell will uh, be next Jim, week. Jim Garrity just failed punditry one hundred and one. He had pundit block. You know, there's writer's block and there's pundit block. Ask him a perfectly acceptable made-for-cable TV question for a pundit, and he froze. So here, I'm going to try you to see if you got pundits block. I am betting on a five-way race. Uh, Biden and Harris, uh, let's use uh, Trump with his vice president being Tom Cotton, since my, that's my pick. But you can name anyone you want, because it doesn't matter, that vice president. Number three is going to be um, Nikki Haley and Tim Ryan as the no-labels candidate. Number four is Bobby Kennedy Jr. Number five is Cornell West. What's the popular vote percentage breakdown? Oh, okay. Um 
If I take that right now and realize, what is it, six months before people start voting or seven months, I think. Yep. Um, so the, the election's actually getting closer than we think. But it's called buying um, time. It, it, it's buying time by John what, Campbell because he's got pundit block, too. No, it's not pundit block at all. I, I, I'm simply stating when I give an answer, I want people to understand the context of the answer that things could change between now and November. But based on what I see right now, I think Donald Trump would win that election I and asked, he would win it with, though. What? I asked percentage what, what, of the popular it, vote for the five I'm, tickets I'm, and you're, I'm, you're stalling. I'm getting there. No, I'm getting there. The problem is that. I'm How did you ever ask the Captain Mini Mrs. Campbell out on a date? 40, did you take like eight hours <laughs> to get to asking her out on a date? How do you, how do you ever close a car uh, deal if you can't get to the price? It, 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 it took the captivating Mrs. Campbell. It took several, a number of dates before she would say yes. So I guess maybe that's what's happening here. But I, I think Trump wins with a low 40s, uh, beats Biden by eh, two to three percent. And those other people get anywhere from, uh, by the way, I'm not sure Nikki Haley runs on no labels, but, uh, but the, the other candidates get somewhere between, uh, the the biggest one is RFK Jr. and I think he probably gets seven, six, something like that, and the others get something less than that. But I think it's an election where uh, the winner has the low forties in in terms of the percentage of the vote, which means almost sixty percent of the people will vote for someone else, which, in my opinion, sets up for twenty twenty five being an even more chaotic year than this year or last year has been, as 60% of the people, or nearly 60% of the people, wanted somebody other than who wins. You know, the, the reason I bring this up is I do think Nikki Haley. I listened with former National Security Advisor Robert C. O'Brien, another former member of Congress, another former member of the Trump National Security Team. I spent the weekend playing golf and talking with these guys about politics and Trump, and they're all Trumpers, so it's okay. I, you know, I'm, I'm in Switzerland. But I listened to Nikki Haley with them, and I kept saying, this is a no-label speech. This is a no-label speech. I think she's going to accept their offer, and they got to find a Democrat, and I think Tim Ryan's the best one they could come up with. And I hadn't said yes, uh, but that's not an insignificant ticket. No, it wouldn't be. Um, no labels, in my opinion, had... A, a really good opportunity, given the number of people who don't like either Biden or Trump, uh, to really carve a significant place in this election. But nobody votes for the party. People vote for the candidate. People vote for the person. And there's no candidate. There's no person. And we're only a few months away. There's a lot of states they're not on the ballot yet. And they can't just put the party on the ballot. They need they need candidates. And I think they somehow, and maybe it's just because they couldn't do it. We all thought it was going to be Manchin-Hogan. And now we know it's not going to be either Manchin or Hogan. And, and so maybe they haven't been able to get anybody. And maybe they're just waiting. And, and maybe this strategy will work. But I think they needed to have candidates five months ago if they really wanted to carve out something that was successful. Now, the thing is, for if it's Nikki Haley and Ryan or anybody else, that is currently a Republican or a Democrat and a well-known one, there'd be no point in running anybody else, um, goes on that ticket, they're basically writing off uh, the party they used to be with. So they're leaving that party, which is a significant move politically for, for those people.
Well, that's what, you know, when, when George H.W. Bush ran against Reagan, and we're both old enough to remember that, they never broke with the party. And Ron DeSantis, when he conceded, did not break with the party. Nikki Haley is breaking with the party. Now, did you did you hear her concession speech? I did not, actually, no. It, it, is, it is clearly not, I'm not getting on the Trump team again. I'm not going to be part of a second term. I'm not going to campaign. It's clearly breaking with the party. And I thought to myself, she's burning the boats. And if she does burn the boats, no labels, let me turn to my... And so we are talking no labels, again, with three former Trumpers. Uh, it's not going to be Joe Manchin. He, he doesn't want to get beat up as vice president. It's got to be someone who's slipped from the eye but is credible. And so I came up with Tim Ryan as a center-right Democrat, center-left Democrat. You worked with Tim. Would he be as good as they could get? Yeah, I agree with you. And also, he has been critical of Joe Biden, which is rare uh, on the Democratic side. Um, they rarely criticize their own because they're they're collectivists. You know, they're, they're, they're the union shop. You don't you don't criticize the union when you're in the union. And but he is, and so he's doing that. And uh, being from Ohio uh, is probably helpful in that, um, you know, assuming no labels could be on a ballot like that, uh, he could probably gather some momentum in, in his home state. I don't know that Nikki Haley could make much of a dent in South Carolina. I don't know um, which given- state they would win, but they would I, I think they would get more than 10 percent of the vote. Now, I think they'd be in John Anderson ter- territory. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe you're right. I actually perhaps 10 percent with Nikki Haley. There. I mean, I know a bunch of of Republicans now that are supporting her. Uh, they're very anti-Trump. They're what I would call the more traditional uh, business country club type Republicans. Again, not a pejorative, simply a description of, of a Republican Party of several decades ago that isn't the mainstream and isn't the majority of the Republican Party today. But they're not happy with Trump. They're not happy with the populist move and direction of the Republican Party. And they're still throwing money at Nikki Haley. I mean, they were as of last week. And so, yeah, if she went no labels, would they throw money over there because they don't like either Trump or Biden? Probably would. I, I Actually, it's it's I had initially ruled it out because I just thought Nikki Haley wouldn't be one to bolt from the party. But maybe you're right. Maybe she will. All right. Now, let's talk a little bit about what the effect of the Manhattan trial is going to be. Donald Trump's going to be in the dock in March for three, four weeks. Um, 31 counts stacked, all of them built off the payment to Stormy Daniels. It should be barred by the statute of limitations. It's been revived by a crazy theory that uh, Alvin Bragg can use a, a theoretical federal crime that does not exist and has not ever been prosecuted to support his extension of the statute of limitations. But I think they'll convict Trump. Because of the Manhattan jury. What's the effect of that trial going to be? Because they're going to talk about Stormy Daniels every day for five weeks. I just I know the left still believes and the Biden people still believe that if they convict Trump of anything, any of these four or five, whatever it is, um, trials that they've got going on, uh, that that is going to hurt him in the general and that there are people who will not vote for someone who's been convicted of a crime or judged liable in a civil case or whatever it may be. And uh, thus far, the record doesn't show that. The record shows that 
the more they go after Trump for these frivolous and and basically, in my view, they are all frivolous, except perhaps for the documents case in Florida. But if he's guilty there, then Joe Biden is guilty. And so is Hillary Clinton. So uh, the rest of these are entirely frivolous. And uh, the, the, the record so far is showing that the more they pursue these things, it actually gets Trump more support because people see him as emblematic of them and that when they go after him unjustly, it's proof that they will go after them. They will go after me, uh, you know, unjustly. And and it has strengthened his his support. Are you telling us they're investigating you, John? Not yet. No, not yet. I, okay, just I'm, checking. Uh, I, 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 I'm sure it will be coming. <laughs> that, that was the royal we, the royal me, if you will. Yeah. I, I was trying to say as, as, as a general voter out there. But no, uh, not, not yet. Not to my knowledge, at least. But uh, uh, I, uh, their thought is that for independents, that for, you know, the suburban women that have that have, uh, are very skeptical of Trump, et cetera, and of Biden, actually, uh, that, that this will sway them. And they'll say, no, I can't do that. I'll go with Joe Biden. I don't like the border. I don't like the economy. I don't like a bunch of stuff that's going on, foreign policy, et cetera. But I can't vote for somebody that's been convicted of something. And there's probably some truth to that, too. Bottom line, in my view, is I don't think that conviction sways the election strongly one way or the other. I, I think he's going to pick up support, right even now. though it's Stormy Daniels and it's distasteful. I do. I think he will. John Campbell, thank you. On Twitter, look through chaos, through spelled T-H-R-U, look through chaos. Soon there's going to be a new podcast, maybe next. I don't know when they're going to do it. We'll find out. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt, live in the Job Creators Network, West Coast. Selena Zito, I don't have no idea where she is. She should be in Michigan, where the primary is tomorrow. How you doing, Selena? Oh, just living the dream. How about you? I'm great. Are you in Michigan yet? No, I'm driving to Michigan. That's what I thought <laughs> you would be doing. The road somewhere near Warren. Oh, oh well, you should stop at the hot dog shop for breakfast. Um, no, I'm hitting that on the way home. Sunrise pizza for breakfast. You don't need to. I mean, you got all you need. All you need is on. You go out to the strip. Everything you need, Selena. So, Selena, Donald Trump thumps Nikki Haley by 20 plus points in South Carolina. What do you think is going to happen in Michigan? Oh, I I think that uh, he is going to have. I mean, he he among among Republicans, he remains wildly popular in in Michigan. And, you know, I think. Honestly, what's going to be more interesting to see 
what happens, you know, eventually with Biden in Michigan and and sort of that 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 cry from uh, Tlaib to vote uncon in uh, what was the word not unconfirmed um, uh, telling people to go out and vote but not vote for Biden. Uncommitted. Yeah, unaffiliated. I'm not sure what it is. Uncommitted. Yeah. Uncommitted. Yeah. She wants him to vote uncommitted. Now, that brings me to this. The New York Times, and I, I don't know Lisa Lur. She might be a fine political reporter, but this is a news story, not an opinion piece. Second paragraph, quote, the Republican nominating contest isn't a competition. It's a coronation. And that, that makes me balk because Donald Trump won Iowa. He won New Hampshire. He won South Carolina. He's going to win Michigan. That's not a coronation. It was a competition that he won in New, in Michigan and other places. There are no debates. The DNC is crushing things. The coronation's on the Democratic side, isn't it, of old King Joe? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're, they have not allowed um, any competition at all. They've not given anybody the ability to be competitive. And I would say that uh, Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley would have words about that because these are people that poured their their heart into running for these for this office they gave up their their time with their family they gave up their time with their at their at their day jobs um there's no coronation you know that trump romped through has everything to say about him and 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 being you know this force within the republican party and and that's just the reality. And and I think you I think this is still fascinating to me eight, nine years later, that the reporters that often live in New York and Washington really struggle to understand Republicans, conservatives and and what is important to them when they go and vote. And so they write these stories that are not based on what actually has happened. Now, what that has happened a lot over the weekend in the case involving Lake and Riley, a uh. junior in Georgia, and the AP said it's a warning to females not to jog alone. What it is is an illegal alien, three-time border jumper, murdered her. And yeah. I think it's one of those stories that's going to resonate throughout the campaign. What do you think? Absolutely. I'm going to be writing about that today. You know, I um, am the mother of a female athlete, of, uh, and I will tell you this, young women in college, they all run. They all go running, whether they're an athlete or not. That's part of, you know, part of the um, experience with young people in, in the past three decades. And to to just you know, just make it about going out and being a woman and not being safe. That has nothing to do with this. This is someone who came in here illegally, who was arrested in New York, and who violently murdered, allegedly, this young woman. And none of this would happen had he not crossed the border illegally in September of 2022, period. Jose Abera, 26 years old, three-time border jumper, was arrested. Um, he did it. I mean, I know I, the jury has to convict him, presumption of innocence, etc. He did it. He's going to be convicted. And it's one of those cases 
where everyone with a child realizes that this border problem reaches in to their house. And right. prayers for the family of, of Ms. Riley. Riley Gaines is the other Riley that's going to matter. And we'll come back to that. But we got one minute left. Right now, Joe Biden can't talk. Donald Trump is at the top of his game. How do you feel that March prosecution and probable conviction in Manhattan will impact this race, Selena? I, if anything, it, it makes, you know, Trump more popular. Um, I heard it, that argument from people almost certain to be in the Trump administration, senior national security positions, because he is being politically prosecuted by Letitia James, by Alvin Bragg, et cetera. Do you think voters understand that and internalize it? Absolutely. Here's why. Because they, uh, Letitia James ran on this. She has her own words on this. This was what she was going to do as soon as she got into office. So her own words mock her in terms of people understanding what happened. And combine that with the illegal immigration disaster at the border, and I think it's a winning issue. Safe driving, stop at the hot dog shop, Sunrise Pizza, don't pass by, Lefty and Jim's, you're going to Warren, stay at all the hot spots. Selena Zito on Twitter is at Zito Selena, all things Selena at selenazito.com. Our Monday morning Yenza report is over. I'm coming back with Hour 2. I've got Bethany Mandel, Alfredo Ortiz is coming along from Job Creators Network. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.